All right, Bible and Daily Lifers, here we are. We are going through the New Testament, one chapter a day. And uh, Monday through Friday, we're trying to keep it about 10 minutes. Uh, sometimes we go 12, but trying to keep it, we're trying to keep it at about 10 minutes. So we're going to move along. We're in chapter 17, but in order to go to 17, we have to look at chapter 16, which we didn't complete every, every passage there anyway. But in chapter 16, at the end of it, Jesus is talking about taking up your cross and following him. And in verse 27, he says, The Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he's done. Then in 28, he says to his disciples, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here. So it was with his disciples, the ones that are standing there. There are some standing here who will not taste death, who won't die, until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Well, um, that sounds like that he's going to set up the eternal kingdom pretty soon, because how long can these guys live? I mean, even if they live to be, you know, the longest that humans live, you know, 100, 110, or 120, um, it's got to be soon. Well, um, there's a, this is a bad place for a chapter division, but there is one in chapter 17. So after six days, six days after he said, some of you standing here, will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days later, and he said, some of you, he didn't say all of you, he didn't say all of the disciples. Six days later, he took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother. And he led them up to a high mountain by themselves. So it's the four of them, Jesus and these three guys. And he was transfigured. His figure was transformed into something. Some of you know what Transformers are. Your kids have Transformers. It turns, you know, one robot into a car or whatever. <clears throat> Jesus is transfigured. He's changed into something else. He was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. Well, that doesn't happen to human beings. His face is shining like the sun. It's bright. And his clothes became white as light, just light coming off of him, light coming off of his face. And behold, there appeared to them... Moses and Elijah talking with them. Now, these are two people in the Bible who um, their, their bodies, we don't know where they went. It says in the book of Jude that uh, Satan and Michael the archangel were fighting over the body of Moses. What happened to Moses' body? Well, Elijah's body, we know that he was translated, he was taken into heaven in his body. So e Elijah is taken, and then Moses' body, and it does seem like in the book of Revelation, that these two people show up in bodily form again, Moses and Elijah. Well, here's Moses and Elijah in bodily form uh, up there on the mountain with them and talking with him. So Moses and Elijah are talking with Jesus. They know Jesus. They're talking with Jesus. So they must have been in heaven with him. And behold, there appeared Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. This is, this is amazing. And he said, if you wish, I'll make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So we can camp out here and live in this glory and live in this amazing time, this transfiguration forever. We'll just camp out right here. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I will well, please listen to him. Not a whole lot different than what happened at his baptism, where the dove came down and the same thing, the voice from heaven, you know, said, you know, this is my beloved son, listen to him. 
So Peter's all excited. He's uh, saying dumb stuff, really. You know, let's let's you know make a camp here. Let's make a house here. Let's let's stay here. Let's let's live in this place. Well, when the disciples heard this, they fell down on their faces. They were terrified with what was going on. But Jesus touched them, and he said, "Rise and have no fear." And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. So he said that some of you will not see death until you see the Son of Man coming in his glory. Well, here he is in his glory. This is an amazing spiritual experience. What happens here is they get to see Jesus in his future glory, with his face shining and his clothes shining, just like in the book of Revelation. Well, this is in real time, because Peter, James, and John are there. They're living, you know, in the moment that they're living. And they're seeing Jesus transformed into his future glory. But something else happens, and these guys show up, Moses and Elijah. But he, Moses and Elijah are from the past. And so here on this experience on the mountain, this amazing spiritual experience, you have the past, the present, and the future all together. All together, right there. And so we think so much in terms of time and how we're locked into time and, you know, how we had a personal beginning. We were born and you know, we have an end and we think about our time. We think about tomorrow, what we're going to be doing tomorrow, what we're going to be doing next week. You know, when is my, you know, daughter, you know, getting married, those kinds of things. When will the kids graduate high school? When will we retire? We think in terms of time and, and we're bound by time, but God's not bound by time. His universe is not bound by time. He created the universe and in creating the universe, he created time. You know, we now know something about that because of physics and, and understand that time and matter are, are tied together. But in this particular moment, you see the past, the present, and the future all together, all at once. Just absolutely unbelievable thing. And Peter, he just doesn't, he just doesn't get it. And I think many times God is doing things with us, and we just simply don't get it. So we move on. And, and as they were coming down the mountain, because you can't stay up there in that spiritual experience, that spiritual high, and that's what Peter wanted to do. Let's just stay here, you know, right where this, this spiritual experience is happening. And Jesus commanded them, tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. So after the crucifixion and after the resurrection, Jesus said, well, tell the story then. Well, the story is being told right now. So uh, they must have told the story because now we're hearing the story and we're hearing it from, obviously, them. Uh, Peter, James, and John told the story. And the disciples asked him, they said, then why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? Because they saw Elijah. And he answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him, but they did to him whatever they pleased. And so also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. And the disciples understood that he was speaking of John the Baptist. Because um, what it says about um, John the Baptist, the forerunner, that he would appear before the great and terrible day of the Lord, Elijah. And John the Baptist comes, and what does he do? He's the forerunner for Jesus. He's pointing the way to Jesus. And Jesus says that this is Elijah. So is, is it really Elijah? Is it a type of Elijah? Is it in the spirit of Elijah? I'll leave that for you to decide. Just read the passage over and over again and, and make the decision. So um, it goes on in verse 14, and it says, uh, when they, And when they came to a crowd, because they came down from the mountain, you can't stay on those spiritual experiences, when they came down from the mountain, a man came to him kneeling before him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but your disciples couldn't heal him. 
And Jesus answered, oh, you know, faithless and twisted generation, how long will I be here? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon. This was a demon. And what's the demon doing? The demon's trying to destroy the life of this young boy. He throws him into the fire. He throws him into the water to drown him. Uh, Jesus told us in John 10, 10, that the devil comes to rob and kill and to destroy. He wants to kill people. He wants to destroy people. That's why he drags them into addiction. That's why he splits up their marriages. That's why he does all kinds of terrible things to people, uh, trying to destroy them, trying to, to take their life so it will be another life that cannot praise or bring glory to God. And uh, Jesus rebukes the demon and uh, heals the guy. And it came out of him and he was healed instantly. And the disciples came to Jesus privately and he said, how come we couldn't do it? He said, well, because of your little faith, he said, truly I say to you, if you had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move here to there, and it would move and nothing would be impossible for you. So it just takes a little tiny bit of faith <clears throat> to do these kinds of things. And so we should try to grow in our faith and, and uh, be more sensitive to how God might use us in these bursts of faith. So, so Lord, do give us bursts of faith where we can do mighty things in your name and where we can bring healing and where we can bring hope where we can bring restoration, where we can cast demons out of people who are bound, who the, the, the devil is trying to destroy and to kill. So use us in this way, we pray. Amen. And so as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he'll be raised on the third day, and they were distressed. So this is Jesus prophesying his death. He's prophesying the fact that he is going to die on the cross, that he's going to rise again. And um, they were discouraged by that. Well, they should have been happy about that, but they didn't understand all the implications of the death and the resurrection yet. So let's see if we can finish it up. 24, when they came to Capernaum, the, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter, and they said, does your teacher pay the temple tax? And Peter said, yes. Now, he didn't know if Jesus did or not, but he said yes. And he came to the house, uh, he came to the house, Jesus spoke to him first, and he said, what do you think, Peter? From who do the kings of the earth take toll or tax, from the sons or from others? So are you exempt? If you're living in the kingdom in the day, and you're the, the son of the king, does the son of the king pay taxes to the king? No, he's exempt. Does Jesus pay temple tax? No, he's exempt. He's, he's the son. He's God the son. So no, he doesn't pay tax. And when he said from others, Jesus said to him, well, then sons are free. Sons are free. I don't need to pay the temple tax. However, so that we don't give offense, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open his mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for you and for yourself. So Jesus pays his taxes. Pretty nice. <laughs> so Jesus didn't have to, but he did. So there must be some great lesson in that, that a lot of times we are asked to do things and maybe asked to do unreasonable things, maybe asked to do... Un now, we're not talking about sinful things, okay? We're just talking about things um, that, that we are asked to do, and we might think, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, we're, you know, the pressure is on at work to do something, and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. But if it doesn't matter, why don't you just do it? If it doesn't matter, why not just do it? Why, why make trouble? And Jesus said, to, so to not give offense. So sometimes, you know, we have freedom to do things. We have freedom to not do things. And we push that. But Jesus said, you know, what do you want to offend people for? What do you want to be, what do you want to be a thorn in people's flesh for? Like if it bothers people, just don't do it. If it bothers people, just don't say it. You know, if, 
if people are expecting that of everybody else, then, then why don't you do it too? So there's some great lessons there in how to love people and how to not give offense to people. So uh, Bible and Daily Life, find us on Calvary Chapel 316, find us on YouTube, find us on podcasts, find us on Spotify, find us on Anchor, find us all over the place. Hey, so uh, bless you guys. You are loved by God. Peace, 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 peace.